What's good, everybody? It's your host, Mr. 813. I'm Kibi back again with another episode of Halftime with the Playmakers, your midweek partner with the live show, The Playmakers, which airs every Saturday from 1230 to 2 right here at Florida A&M University in the studio of WAM 90.5. This is a great day. I'm glad to be back in the studio with the guys. Guys, how we feeling, man? Feeling, feeling good. Great. Feeling good, man. Good. Feeling good. Yeah, man, you know, we got a lot in store for this episode. So without further ado, we're just going to get right into it. So we're going to kick it off by talking about our own Rattlers for a second. We're going to talk about the men's basketball team. Not a great season by any means. We're 3-13 and on the season, but we did capture the win against a winless Mississippi Valley State team. Uh, guys, just talk to me about that game. Thoughts about that game. Let's let's go into like the players, uh, the points that they scored, and uh, just talk about how we was able to come away with that win. Or if that win win was even a respectable win um i'll kick it off um my thoughts on the game i think jalen spear is actually a really good point guard uh he had i think he had like seven rebounds that game and he led the team in scoring i think he'd be a great mentor for kj parker who is a freshman and he has been playing well this season he's been a bright spot for the team and a, he will be a bright spot for years to come shannon grant had his best game as a rattler i know country has been vocal about um shannon's play throughout the season he had 17 points and six rebounds and then keith lamar he looked pretty solid coming back from the second game his second game back from injury crashed the glass well had dished out four assists yeah, Spear, to add on to those seven rebounds, he had 19 points to go with that too. So adding into that that notion that he is a true point guard. Absolutely. And then uh, last thing I want to touch on is, uh, yeah, we did catch the W against Mississippi Valley State, but their bench had a total of four points. And that's one thing that I see, that I saw that really caught my eye. Like, you're not going to win a basketball game if you're only going to get four points from your bench. And our bench played pretty solid. Our starters played pretty solid. Mississippi didn't play, Mississippi Valley State didn't play bad basketball. They just didn't get no production from the bench guys. Yes, yeah, a win, but, you know, that's probably, that'll probably be our own for the season country what you think my 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 take is it's still been the same take every game is they just don't play together the game shouldn't have been close as i was like like trim has said it was just too it was just too many it was just too many points that was left at the table and we had a lot of breakdown on defense because mississippi valley state is not that good of a team as we've seen there owing 18 but what, but what do you think causes that breakdown in our defense I believe that they don't communicate. And when they communicate, it's just like people look lackluster, like, oh, he's not talking to me. Or, oh, he, I'm not I'm not the one that's supposed to switch this time. You got to switch. Or you got you got your center who's supposed to kick out, and he just stands in the, at the free throw line when somebody's at the three. Lucky for us, Mississippi Valley State couldn't shoot threes because they was open. They was just missing them. And like he said, their bench didn't, didn't give them no type of support. If the bench had scored at least 10 points, we would be talking about a different ballgame right now because the game was close throughout it got away it got away family took away probably with like five minutes left to go in the, in the fourth i mean no. in the second half now had 20 off the bench though yeah i mean our, ben, our bench was strong i'm i'm talking about their bench oh, okay if their bench had their bench only scored four points yeah so if their bench was able to give them at least 10 points we're talking about a whole different ball game right now i'm yeah. saying the positive i mean we cut down the turnovers 11 yeah. turnovers that's yeah, that, that was that was a good that was a good plus, and it, it's it's like we being on a drum, like oh, we, we should be happy that we got a win, but it's like look who you beat though. We beat the worst, the worst team in college basketball. Absolute worst. Yeah, but you know, all things considered, I mean, it, it's not like they didn't put up a fight either. Mm -hmm. I mean, they had two leading scorers, Arreco Gibson, who scored 21 points and seven rebounds, and then you also had 19 points, nine rebounds, two steals, and four blocks from Raekwon Brown. So they had players on their team that were actually putting up a fight. So. So 
you know this was a win that we did have to earn again like i think we were talking about it before the show like i asked the question how can you be 0 and 19 and it's like nobody just wants to be 0 and 19 right 0 and 6 in the swag like you they they obviously put their best foot forward every game and i, I think today was like last night or that last game was just one of those games and you know they put up a great effort and you know they just came up short say my i guarantee mississippi valley state was looking at fam you like this is this might be our only chance to win all season hmm, i don't know i don't know about that because 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 then because then it's like there's worse teams in the swag than fam you we're a three win team but there's worse wins in the swag like you don't I, think they look at the same as alabama a and or alabama state mm-mm. alcorn state maybe i don't know man i don't know about that one but but my but my biggest critique with with the fam you big man is you're just not they're they're not they're not playing big man basketball but last game was different they did play big man basketball because i guarantee you if they start playing big man basketball like they did fam you'd be a different story right now especially in the men's game okay interesting point so from this point on now that they do have a win under their belt they're back in the win column what does the rest of the remaining games of the season look like for the team i mean they should build up on that yeah see what get the good takeaways from this and and continue on it that's how i see it Mm -hmm. just build up on it honestly because you beat up the the worst team but now let's beat the good teams in the swag all right so quickly three things that the team needs to work on shooting and turnovers and communication rebounding shooting and communication guarding the three-point line turning the ball over crashing the glass uh i'll say for me three-point shooting for sure we're a horrible three-pointing shooting team we had one shooter yeah like <laughs> i think we shoot below 30 percent, and that's horrible on any scale level of basketball whether that's high school college or professional level um i also think uh we just need to ingrain that dominating that dominating attitude like we should have beat this team by more than 20 points yeah um and that might seem a lot to some of those listening in um for like a swack college basketball game but it's not uh it's really it was really doable but i just don't think we have that mentality and another thing just being better on defense and then maximizing on second point second chance opportunities when it comes to those turnovers from other teams i feel like we don't maximize on those enough but you know fam you they're back in the win column so can't really girls. complain uh the women are also back in the win column too shout out to the ladies as well you know we'll we'll, we'll see as they continue swag play the rest of the season we'll see what happens next we're back with our segment called who's next where we bring on athletes former athletes coaches and people in the sports industry we have a very special guest our very own from the FAMU women's basketball team olivia delancey in her sophomore year she's averaging 11.6 points per game 3.8 rebounds per game and shooting 37 percent from three on behalf of halftime with the playmakers welcome to the show olivia thank you for having me well i'll start i'll start things off um just t- can you talk to me about your background about basketball how'd you get into the game what made you get so far in your career right now well if I have to be honest it was my family but more importantly it was my mom she always pushed me to be the best person I could be on the court and off the court so I really want to take this time to give a big shout out to her for never letting me give up on myself and give up on my dreams and she just like coached me to be the player that I am while also like maintaining a mother-daughter relationship and that's really hard especially like because she was my coach so I really want to give a big shout out to my mom and like just really say she was the one who really got me here to where I am. If you don't mind, how long was she your coach? My mom was my coach from about second grade because that's when she really was like, yeah, you need to start playing a sport to about sixth or seventh grade. And she was just like, I can't do it anymore. But somebody else can. (laughs) So with that being a coach's daughter, how did 
how did that either build your relationship with your mama or kind of like hurt your relationship with your mama when you was younger? It was a little bit of both. Like my mom, like I said, like now she's like one of my best friends, but before it was like, she was very hard on me. And when I was younger, it was more, it was hard to perceive that she just wanted what was best for me. She just wanted me to be the best version of myself. I, I kind of took it as she just don't like me. I can't do nothing right. But now that I'm older, I really appreciate her for never letting up and just always pushing me to be better. Cause it really, it helped me out in the end. And it like showed me that perseverance is key. So in high school, like who was a player that you modeled your game after in high school? In- in the NBA or WNBA? Do they have to be in the WNBA? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Okay. They could be a street legend. I don't want to say I model my game after anybody in the WNBA or NBA because honestly, I don't feel like I play like anybody in the WNBA or the NBA. I honestly want to say I model my game after my older brother. Okay. <laughs> and um, he like I just saw how hard he worked and how he gave all he had in every play and how like how just skilled he was and I, I really just wanted to play like him and I like I would play against him and I just be like my gosh like it just always comes together for you like you always get the right shot at the right time and I'm just like that's who I really tried to model my game after and I, I do a lot of workouts with my brothers well my older and younger brother for that reason because I just like I love their game and I just want to model my game after theirs because they're my biggest inspiration really. Olivia could you just talk about your recruiting process I saw one game you had in the EYBL I think it was a hoodie or a slide or something it was something EYBL related could you just talk about your recruiting process and how'd you get to where you are now? So my recruiting process was a bit rocky Uh, a lot of my EYBL gear I steal it from my brothers if they hear this I'm sorry y'all I steal a lot of the EYBL gear from my brothers and my family members because we we're a basketball family so we all kind of travel and they play on they played on the EYBL and I played one year on the EYBL so we just kind of go to the tournaments and we buy the gear or like they get gear and I steal it from them so but that was (laughs) how I got that hoodie really it was um it was hectic it was rough like I didn't get recruited straight out of high school I I went to a junior college before I got here and um it was one of the best experiences of my life it taught me to grow up and like again it taught me perseverance and how to really like humble myself truth be told and understand that it's bigger than basketball and that's how I feel like I got here and in that recruiting process I feel like my recruiting process was very unique to me and I and I've enjoyed every step of the way because it's made me the player and the person that I am today. So what is the competition like in Juco? It's rough. (laughs) The competition is very, I feel like Juco has a bad rep of, oh, it's just Juco. No, there's some pretty big competition in Juco. For instance, it was one girl I played against last year. She's on South Carolina's team now. I feel like people underestimate how many people actually are in JUCO and the, the level of like skill in JUCO. And it's very, it's very tough. It's not easy competition especially like in the state of Florida because we're known for JUCO really and it's a couple other states that are known but Florida's a big JUCO state and it was it was tough playing and especially as a freshman it was tough because it was like some people come from D1s to play JUCO and like you're playing the best of the best especially in Florida so it was it was a tough competition and I really want to commend the state of Florida for JUCO and like how tough it was and how it prepares you. So talk about coach how did y'all how did y'all get to where y'all was at? Because Coach did come in like late August. So speak about your recruiting process, how you got to found. When Coach came in, I was like, oh man, 
a fresh start at FAMU. I really want to go to FAMU. So when she came in, my JUCO coach, I was like, yeah, now that a new coach is in, I really want to I really want to go to FAMU. My JUCO coach knew Coach Gordon personally, and she said, well, I'm going to talk to her. And then some other JUCO coaches within, the, um, within our conference were like, yeah, we'll put in a good word. And then there was a recruiting shutdown. But the day before the recruiting shutdown, Coach Bridget gave me a call, and we talked on the phone. And she was like, yeah, there's a recruiting shutdown. So I'll talk to you after. And, like, we didn't talk for that whole week. And then I get a call, and I can't remember the day, but I remember the feeling. I get a call right after I get done with my JUCO practice because I still think I'm going to JUCO. So I get a call from Coach Gordon, and she's like, I want to offer you right now. And I tell her, I say, okay, well, I'm committed. Can I come up there now? And she's like, wait. You want to, if you want to, and then you can, you can. So I told my coach, I'm like, I'm committed. And then I was like, oh yeah, and I'm going. And like, they were kind of like, wait, you're leaving now? And I was like, yeah, I got to go. Like, fam, you my dream school. This is what I want. I, I, I got to go. It was a little bit shocking. And my decision still shocks me to this day. Cause I tell everybody, I came up here for a visit on a Wednesday and I was enrolled and going to school that next Monday. So my recruiting process was very quick and it happened like instantaneously for me at least because St. Pete is my home and that's where my JUCO was. So it happened instantaneously and um, all I can say is like I'm blessed. Like that's all I got. I'm blessed for the way it happened and how it happened. You talked about coaches a tad bit, but can you just go more in depth of how you guys' relationship is now being deep in the season? Oh. That's a, that's a love-hate relationship. It's more love. It's, I don't want to say I hate. I don't, I don't ever hate, Coach. Um, it's more love, dislike. You never like when people get on you and tell you what you need to hear. That's just that's real. But I love Coach because, honestly, even when she gets on me and I feel like, dang, Coach don't like me, she always call me and she'll be like, you know I love you and you know I got to get on you. And it's like just having that relationship with her, like I know no matter how far I get off in the game or even if I have a rough game, like she's always going to have my back. And it's never like it doesn't feel completely like a business. It feels like she truly cares for me. I love her for that and no matter how like how rough I have or like how rough I have it in a game she's just always there to make sure I keep my head up and it's like a real love that she has for me and I appreciate that and I can feel it and I'm sure y'all can see it we see it for yeah, sure we, see, we definitely <laughs> see it so it, it seems it seems like it's the same three people that's getting that's scoring the rock and it's like a day-to-day basis on who's contributing off the bench I know you coming off the bench a lot as help it has helped the team but it's like where are we supposed to see more of the scoring coming from? I do I do see like there there might be a little bit of like uh, more it's more out there like the scoring and the points like of course you're going to see the points but my teammates they contribute so much more than points and scoring so it's like I almost feel like it's it's the least I can do mm. or my teammates they give it their all and like the stuff that don't show up like the the clapping and the cheering and the cheer the cheering us on is really big and like even like the um the scoring is big too but it's like the rebounds and the other things the assists like they're not as celebrated as the scoring but it's really big what my teammates do they bring just as much as I feel like everybody else does even like with the inconsistent scoring that's an issue but like we're I still I like to I like to give us that little it's like we're still young and we're still learning and we just like we didn't get that competitive edge that everybody else had of over the summer going at it with each other so I still say we're still learning each other and we're still learning how to play around each other so everybody's not going to understand how to score with each other at all time so I feel like those other 
stats really like help our game in general. It may not be scoring, but it's really big. Like the rebounds and the assists and the cheering us on that really, they don't get as much praise on the stat sheet for them, but my teammates do a great job of like, even if they're inconsistent on the scoring stat, they, they do a great job of picking it up anywhere else, even if they're, they're having an off night. And that's really all I can ask from them. And I appreciate them a lot for never giving up on me or themselves within like the time of the game. Cause we have come up short a couple times and it was rough, but they always kept their head in the game and they always kept my head in the game. and. They're just, they're the best at what they do, if I'm being honest, and I appreciate them a lot. So how many years of eligibility do you still got left? After this year, I have two years of eligibility. So going into next season, I'm not saying this season is over because mm-hmm. I know y'all didn't have that full summer workload. Yeah. So now going into the next season, how do you feel as though the team camaraderie is going to come together knowing you guys are going to lose Ariana? So Ari is a big loss because right now I, I like to say she's our queen. Like she she gets on the court and she just demands us to be calm and she keeps our heads on straight. So Ari's going to be a big loss, but I really feel like with our summer, we'll be able to gain that chemistry that I feel like we lacked a lot of the season. We'll be able to gain that chemistry and we'll be able to build a culture of what coach Bridget emulates like that hard work that dog mentality we'll be able to build that culture over the summer I'm excited to see what next year will be especially with the prospect of having our summer and really being able to get in the gym with my teammates Olivia you have 10 out of the 16 games taking more than 14 shots I just want to know and you have a couple games taking under three or four shots or five shots my bad so I just want to know like how do you find a, a happy balance within your shot distribution honestly it all depends on the game some of those games where I wasn't as shot heavy as I call it some of those games I just I wasn't entirely locked in and that was on me and I appreciate everybody not everybody but my teammates and um, my coaches for their patience with me and figuring out how to really become really comfortable here but I find that medium with like just talking to my coaches and a big thing for me this year has been like my my shot selection has varied and it has been a little off for me I feel so it my like my comfortable medium is just listening to my coaches and trying to find my flow in the game and trying to realize because I struggle with this trying to realize like when my shot is off that it's okay to not have a on night and still open it up for the rest of my teammates so it's really just realizing that and um, trying to find comfort and being able to understand that and understand that my shot is going to be on every night. Follow up question coming from your freshman year at JUCO to now what is one part of your game that you think you've improved on since last year? Thanks to Coach Bridget I think I improved on my IQ (laughs) and my shot selection definitely coming from JUCO I definitely had more of um, a scores mentality I still have my scores mentality here but I had more of a black hole mentality if I do if that that's the word I want to use the black hole mentality I was more of a like you pass it oh I'm gonna try and score or I'm gonna basically die trying which is a turnover so I feel like my IQ towards the game has changed not as much as I would like it to but it definitely is like progress and it's incremental and like growth isn't linear so I still have my slip ups where I'm like dang like if only I was just a little bit more smarter about this play but um I really do feel like under coach Bridget my IQ has really grown and expanded and I'm making more of basketball players decisions more than just oh, I'm a scorer and I'm going to get, and I'm going to do it and I'm going to figure it out with or without my teammates. I feel like I'm becoming more of a team player and uh, um, my IQ is becoming a little bit better. Y'all have been in a lot of close games this year. So like, what is the message that Coach Gordon gives you after another close loss, like after every close loss? I can't tell you, I can't give you an exact message because you know, 
Um, I, I don't yeah, have yeah. I can tell you my like how I perceive the message after a close loss is it's brick by brick like she still shows a lot of patience with us and she still says hey like that was our game to win I'm, I'm disappointed that we lost it but our growth is there and you can see it and I'm so proud of y'all for keeping up with it but that was our game and um of course there's disappointment in the locker room because we all know it it was it's always our game to win or lose and when, when you lose it it's just heartbreaking the message isn't like to harp on us but it's really for us to understand like it's our our game and we're right there if we just had that little extra kick and that little extra push so it's really like to keep going and we're building brick by brick and it's all going to come together from non-conference play to entering swag play right now what have you learned about the team so far with this short amount of time just to gel together i feel like i've learned that my team is hard workers we don't give up even if you watch our games we don't lay down we don't give up i appreciate that from them because it's some games i'll be like i'm tired and i can't deal with this and it's just so much pressure and they're like no you got this we need you like that you can see it on the court they're like we need we need all of us and it's not just a we need you live it's a we need everybody to do their their job and like be good at their job so that we can be good and you know we all struggle some days and that's when we come up with our losses but most of the time like there's a culture of we need you guys and we're gonna fight and we're gonna play hard this whole entire time and I really think that can be seen like we play hard and that consistent about us that's one thing I could say about one of our basketball teams is they do play hard. <laughs> no, no pun intended. <laughs> but when it comes, when it, I know you said fan was your dream school. Like, what was that surreal moment when you got the first player outlaws in and you was like, yeah, that's where I wanted to be and I'm here. It came after. I really think it was a, my first couple days here and I was walking and uh, my dad's in the Hall of Fame here and I saw his plaque up there and I was just like, wow. And, and really it wasn't even like, I didn't think it was a dream more, it was a answered prayer. And that's what, that's like, that was my surreal moment. Like I stopped and I stared at my dad's plaque and I was just like, wow. Like I'm standing in an answered prayer right now. Yeah, time out. Time Who's out. Who's your dad? Wait, wait a minute. Wait. <laughs> Let's get wait, into that. Wait, time wait, out. Wait <laughs> We're just not about to just skate past yeah, that. Yeah, like, past that real quick. <laughs> like... <laughs> Who could you say you came from a background of a basketball, basketball, but you pure hoops? You, oh, pure my hoops. dad was a football player. Okay. Oh, okay. okay. He okay. was a football player. He okay. was the black sheep of the family. Oh, okay. 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 He was okay. a football player. Mom won in that debate, like in the football versus basketball. Mom won. So, so do you have a family? Do you have a family legacy? Family? Oh yeah, my mom and my dad. My mom graduated from pharmacy school. My dad was a, a Hall of Fame quarterback here. Who your daddy? <laughs> OT Men Sampson, but his name, his last name is Delancey, but they just never changed it here. Well, breaking news, fam, we have history <laughs> that we didn't even know about. I, I think, Jeff, we had to do our research a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> I, I try to keep it under wraps, like make my own name, especially because he had a different that. name when he was here, so people don't really know it unless you know him if it, in his recent years. So I, I, try to, I try to get my own name, and like I'll tell people a, a sometimes, but I try to really get my own name unless they know him or they know him personally. It's just like I'm, I'm here by myself, and I'm here trying to figure it out. And I don't, I don't really want to use him as a crutch. But he comes up here a lot to visit me, so a lot more people are finding out than I want to. But does he ever think about coaching? Because we have a head coach. Yeah, I'm yeah. About to say, uh, <laughs> even head coaching, quarterback coach. Never made that call or anything like that. Um, <laughs> I don't think he want that kind of stress. If I'm being honest, he now he'll he'll come up here and he'll he'll watch the football team and he loves it. He loves football still, but I don't. Know. I don't know. Do you have any type of love for football? I wish 
I could say yes. But I've never seen you at a game. Like, I might see Ari or the other players here and there, but you, I've I never. Have homework. <laughs> I like I On was just honestly. Uh, yeah, I'm a bio major. Oh. oh. <laughs> so I, I got homework Monday through Sunday. I I I would usually have homework. I would just be tired from practice, and um, it'd it be hot at them games. So, so how do you, so how do you have that balance with school and? Traveling, whether it's non-conference play, you go to Michigan and in these other states too. Now you're in swag play. How do you have that balance? Especially with that difficult degree, yeah. Too. It, it's hard. I'm not gonna sit here and be like, oh, if you balance your time management, you know, even with the time management and balancing life, it's hard. Like as a student athlete, it's even harder. Like that degree is hard without being a student athlete. It's hard. Time management on the road when I just want to lay down after a practice, I have to do homework and I have to figure it out. So it's hard. But really, like, it's just t- staying on top of myself and not and telling myself, like, hey, failing is an option. Like, you have to pass these classes and you have to pass them with flying colors because you're a student athlete. And that's what you're that's what's expected of you. So so, so I remember I was talking to coach like I believe like in the first co- matter of fact, when we had it, we had a Thanksgiving mm-hmm. and she had she had she had hint like the life of a female student athlete is way different than the life of a male student athlete because yeah. it was one lady from Clemson mm-hmm. and she was a TA and I believe uh, assistant coach or something like that too and she showed her day in the life like her day really starts at 4 a.m. and mm-hmm. ends at 12 p.m. I mean 12 a.m. in the next day so what is a day in the life for you? as a student athlete and that's taking bio well it really varies i'll give you my day in the life today i (laughs) i got up today around five o'clock to get ready for my 6 a.m practice i left the house around 5 15 me i went and picked up my teammate from phase three we got to practice or we got to the gym around maybe 5 25 ish and then it was time to get dressed and get ready to get on the court by 5 45. we practiced for about two hours after that, I went and got something to eat because I don't eat breakfast before practice because it's too early. And then after I went and got something to eat, went home, took a shower, laid down for a little bit and got ready to come do this interview. And then I have class at 1.30. After, and then class is over around 2.20ish. And I have film at 3. After film, I'm going to figure out a gym to go put up shots in because we play tomorrow. So I got to figure out a way to at least like try to get some muscle memory in after that it's homework probably for three four hours and then i'm going to sleep and i'm waiting to play tomorrow so wait speaking of that they don't let y'all use gaither oh yeah i I most likely end up using gaither because you know we play tomorrow so the other teams are probably in town using lawson Mm -hmm. for the remainder of the day so i'll probably get inside of gaither what do your workouts look like because you said you put up shots so to get muscle memory being a great scorer like you what does your workout look like (laughs) it's usually some form shooting and then my dad he comes up here and he'll work me out and i try to emulate the workouts that he gives me so i go to mid-range and he tells me you have to make seven in a row from each spot so i make seven in a row and then and then you move on to threes. Well, with threes, I, I, I don't know if I can make seven in a row, but I hope my brother doesn't <laughs> hear this because I tell him I make 12. I make, I try to make at least five in a row from the three. Or if I'm in a gym with one of my friends, like on the men's team, I have a friend that he gets in the gym with me. We'll shoot to make maybe 30, 40 from a spot. And then we'll do mid-range and then we'll do pull-up jumpers and then we'll do threes and then maybe some ball handling. And then we're out of there in about an hour, hour and a half. 
So, one more question. I was I always wanted to ask the baseball player this too, especially <laughs> collegiate. How does it feel when your shot is not going in? Honestly, it's heartbreaking. <laughs> and that that's not even exaggerating. I know that's how it feels for me because it's like you know how much work you've put in. You know that your shot is supposed to fall, and to everybody else, it just looks like dang, she's taking a lot of shots and they not hitting. But it's like it's it's really it's really not a good feeling because it's like you're no you know they're supposed to fall and you know that you've worked hard for it and when they're not falling it hurts but it feels even better like when you can start getting your teammates involved and like you could pass it out and they make the three and it's like okay my shot not on but hers is on so we just gonna keep feeding her it kind of like me personally it'll give me like that high that i'll be searching for like when i hit a bucket like my teammates hitting the three i'll be like yes because like it makes it easier on me to be honest or like getting a bucket them getting a bucket off me like that's that's another high that i feel like isn't talked about enough okay okay well obviously thank you olivia to come in with your busy busy schedule that you spoke about earlier again thank you for coming in on behalf of halftime with the playmakers thank you so much thank you for having me but we're going to transition to acc basketball guys so i wanted to ask the question um you know my team in azc i like you know you know florida state we do a pretty good right now uh we're okay but guys who do you like in the acc and who's a surprising team to you guys in that conference surprising as a good way or a bad way surprising in a good way okay well this hurts my heart to say it but as far as ACC play right now, UNC? it's UNC. Yeah. It hurts my heart to say it, but from the year they had previously where it was just not regular for them to be bad to them being the best in ACC right now, it's AC. It's, it's uh, North Carolina, respectfully, though. Yeah, they're they're the best team in the ACC so far. They're 8-0 in conference play. I mean, 16-3 but I, overall. But I will say this is the same position last year Duke was in and they came out won the ACC. This is the exact same position. We didn't, we started off hot, then we got cold, and then from February on out, we was hot. So it could be Duke, but as of right now, it's North Carolina. So I'm going to tell you mine, and this is surprising in a worse way. My biggest surprise this year was actually the team that I picked to go to the Final Four, which was University of Miami. Mm, really? Yeah. Yeah. They would as in a like, bad way. In, in a bad way. No, no. Like I'm saying, like you picked them to go to the final four. Did you see what they had returning back from a team that just came from the uh, sweet? What was it? Elite eight? Yeah, but like it, for for me, I believe in. It's hard to go back to no, the same you, place twice. Right. But if you got your whole entire team coming back, mm -hmm. it should be no excuse. It should be no excuse. You started off ranked 13th in the mm -hmm. nation, and now you are unranked right now. Yeah. And the level of competition that you've been playing has not been up to par until you got the conference play. Like, mind you, it's just like every time you got high expectations for the University of Miami, they always fold. <laughs> but now is but then we'll we'll see how it plays out. But it's surprising in a bad way. Yes, it's been University of Miami. For me, the best team in the ACC is UNC, and I don't think it's particularly close. Uh, I think they have a good combination. Well, let me not say a good combination, but they have obviously the vets, uh, Armando Baycott, R.J. Davis, mm -hmm. playing really good basketball right now. Elliot Cadeau coming off the bench, providing providing some playmaking juice that you know RJ doesn't provide. NC State's also a really good team in the um ACC, but they lack a little bit of size. I think their tallest player is DJ Burns Jr. at six foot nine inches. But they also have a lot of guys that contribute in a lot of different categories. But there's not a single player that jumps off the board to me. So that's my concern with um, NC State. Another team I want to throw out there is Virginia. I know Virginia, you know, they're not the best team in the ACC, but they're always a good, cons a consistent, steady team in the ACC. They always defend well. So that's another team I would keep an eye on, you know, come March. Nobody want to say Clemson? Clemson's a bit of Nobody want to say Clemson? They disappoint as well. I I think Clemson's no, disappointing. How's it disappointing? Well, not disappointing because they're they're
they're 13 and 5, but like Clemson their conference is, play is not good. Yeah, but it's, Clemson it's, is typically not in in there. They're typically at the bottom. That's that's true. I and mean, the, if we if we if we being frank, the team that's still surprising to everybody is like when are you going to become good again is Louisville. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. Louisville's the bottom I think, of the I, I I think you could throw Florida State in there too. Florida State is doing good though. They're they're, they're, they're okay. But honestly, they're okay, yeah. honestly, I think the ACC when it comes to basketball this year has been very weak. It is, but then when you look at like the the records going from like the top seed to kind of towards like it's, the bottom it's, half, it's like right there and they all like everyone, everyone's separated by and two then, three and then games. Honestly, Everybody's not losing at home. Everybody's problem has losing been away. on the road. Yeah. But still, it's just like I I feel as though my my interest is ACC is the best basketball, but this year has not lived up to the competition. I mean, not not to the competition, to the building, to the buildings and the, yeah, yeah. expectation. But it's like we talking about like the SEC wise supposed to be a football conference, but they looking really good over there yeah. in basketball. But when it comes to surprises, I definitely had to agree with you with Clemson, and then most definitely Miami. But Florida State doing their thing though. Hopefully they can stay right there. Yeah. I hope so too. I mean, we took a we took a L to Clemson, but again, I mean, Clemson has been playing good. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've been playing real good, so that was definitely a surprising team to me. Those were my two surprise teams. But I was mean, Cle- wasn't Clemson ranked? Uh, what was they ranked? Sixteenth, right? They was ranked in the top uh, twenty for a minute. Yeah, they were. Are they 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 unranked now? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I see it. So of all the ACC teams, there's only like two or three that are ranked. It's two. Duke, 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 and UNC. Okay, yeah. that makes sense. Okay, so I guess who do you like to come out of the ACC out of those two teams? I like Duke to win the uh, I've ACC seen tournament. It. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I've yeah. seen it once. I can. I you, believe John Shire again. I believe in experience. Yeah. And, and we have that. They UNC has a ninth year senior, and <laughs> oh my, <laughs> like he didn't broke every he didn't broke every ACC record when it comes to rebound. Yeah. So I, I do still like I still I do still like UNC, but I think Duke will be their their toughest t- uh, test. What about I, you, Trump? Uh, I agree. I think UNC is gonna not run through the ACC tournament, but you're gonna you're watching it. You're gonna see. Yeah, ACC is the best. Team. I mean, the UNC is the best team in the ACC. We shall see. I mean, me personally, I, I can only go by off what I've seen in the past. Duke is notorious for coming out of the ACC, but UNC right now, they have the advantage. They're A&O um, in conference play, so we'll just have to see. But guys, we're going to go on to football. We're going to talk about the NFL. We're going to talk about right here, right now. First, we're going to review the divisional round games. Mm-hmm. It's a lot to unpack there, but then we're going to talk about the conference championship games that's going to be happening pretty soon, and we're going to talk about first, who's more dangerous? Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson? And as far as what? I I would say who's more dangerous as far as coming in this game right coming now. out of the AFC Pat Mahomes uh, it's to the point that you don't want to see Pat Mahomes right now because it's like granted I still would take Lamar over him but I don't know what's going on it's just like nobody can keep this man away from the AFC championship game that's just like ah uh, it's, like, like, it's, like, it's, like it's like Jordan in the 90s I don't want to say I don't want to say like it's not that people can't because there have been ample amount of opportunities to keep him out it's just his opponents fail time and time again they have let me ask y'all this though right when are we gonna stop putting the blame on josh allen i've been putting the blame on him but it's like everybody keeps giving him the the everybody keep using everybody else's the scapegoat but josh allen uh, I like don't. i mean i know you don't but <laughs> there my, was a there was a play in the divisional round that that game against the chiefs josh like allen third and four third and five and the, Diggs was on a on a Diggs um, was on a crossing route yeah but i saw i saw i saw 
saw Josh Allen's vision. I saw but, the vision, but it wasn't there. Yeah, my see, whole thing to stop going for the big. Plays. And, and so and so that's like literally what I was about to say. Like it was there, but because his lineman hit him or like kind of like backed into him, it altered the way he threw the ball. And so the thing that Josh Allen has to understand is stop being such a gunslinger. Like it is a big reason why you are as uh notarized as you are like a, a big time quarterback as you are because you take risks and sometimes when you take risks you know you hit the shot 100 of the time but in those situations i feel like he should just have the understanding and knowledge to know hey it's third and four worst come to worst it's fourth and one fourth and inches we can go we could just do a little tush push take action small place. you know what i'm saying it, it's just little things like that so to go back to what you said i do put the blame on josh allen for that game because they should have won that game you had what three opportunities when the score was 27 to 24 to do something with the ball you even had you even had the ball for nine plays just to get nine yards i think they just bailed out they just they just bailed out the chiefs again i, I honestly do think so too but it's like Pat Mahomes still had a good game. But speaking of the Chiefs, I'm honestly tired of watching football at this point. <laughs> because every time Travis Kelsey catches a one-yard pass, we get a Taylor. I'm like, we get it. You got to think about it, man. It's, honestly, it's, it's for ratings, though. But it is annoying. It's, a, it's, it, annoying. it's just annoying. Like, it's not, even, it's, not even, it's not even just because your team's not playing. It's just the fact that, bro, it's just a catch. Like, <laughs> whatever whatever he does, where's Taylor Swift? And it's not, now it's not a ruin football. You well, got to think about it watching the Chiefs play. You gotta think about the demographic of like people that watch football in America that is like it's majority men. Not even that. It's majority Caucasian okay. Caucasian Caucasian uh male or female. So Taylor Swift is kinda like the equivalent to them like Beyonce is to our people in our culture. Hmm. Right? So it's great marketing. It's just annoying. Yeah. It's just very annoying. But it makes sense. I understand it. To your question, I'm saying Lamar. Lamar, I, I say Lamar too. This is probably Lamar's arguably the, his best weapons he's had. He's playing at a high caliber level right now. And it's like you cannot predict if he's going to really throw the ball or if exactly. he's going to run. And Usually that, you can predict when he's going to run. You can't now at this point. And that right there is why I got them going to the Super Bowl. Because I just don't see Kansas City's defense being able to. I don't see it either. I don't, I don't see them being able to pinpoint it when used he's going to gonna be run. That pistol action. Now exactly. it's no more pistol action. Yeah. It's shotgun, motion. Now RPOs. You really have to figure out. Like, bro, do y'all understand Lamar's story is about to go crazy? Yeah. They told like, that they man. Told, they told him he wasn't a quarterback. He should play running back. He should wide play receiver. wide receiver. He told him. He said, "I'm gonna bring a bow. Just watch. Now he about to have two MVPs. Mm-hmm. He about to now he about to probably, probably even go win a Super Bowl. You're so it's like Lamar really uh he dangerous. I think Lamar is dangerous too because he just finally understands how to play the game his way in that system. Shout out Todd Monkey. and and it and it makes the other players around him better. You see Zay Flowers excelling as a rookie wide receiver. He don't even look like a rookie, bro. Yeah, like that's how good he is. Like he doesn't look like a rookie if you if you were to say zay flowers on the street like i and i didn't know him i, I would be like dang like he looked like a kobe bet. jones right you know next that line you know what i'm saying obj is finally playing into a role that he that he needs as a vet a vet that's already won a super bowl a vet that can cultivate those young guys in that wide receiving core group and you know be able to make sure that they don't make the mistakes that a young wide receiver would make uh and then the running game like you I know say likely come on playing man. big mark andrews come back this now, week. Now, now exactly they, now they so got, uh, i'm trying to tell you that one could is going to have a breakout game. I don't know whether it's going to be know, Yeah, I don't know about this game. Or it might be the Super Bowl, but Dalvin Cook's, Dalvin Cook's coming. He is coming. Sherman, what you think? You've been real quiet over there. 
No, nah, I'm gonna just I'm gonna keep my answer short and simple. I'm gonna I'm gonna just say Pat, just cause I I believe he's been there multiple times. I mean, obviously he's been there multiple times. We know what to expect from Pat. Okay. And obviously, it's hard to game plan for a guy like him. Okay. So with that being said, we kind of touched on it earlier uh, with Lamar's story, but are there any other quarterbacks heading into championship yes. weekend that have the best story? Yes. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say a quarterback. I would say a team. The Lions had the best story. But you gotta throw the Lions, and then you gotta throw Jared Goff mm -hmm. because. L.A. sent Jared Goff to Detroit for his career to die. And look, he went to L.A. and he did what Stafford couldn't do. He brought that team to an NFC Championship. I'm still kind of salty because Detroit got to an NFC Championship game before the Dallas Cowboys did. <laughs> and they didn't, they haven't even won a playoff game since 1991. Yeah. A playoff game. Not a not a, not a series, a playoff game. I think, uh, I think one story that kind of stands out to me is not really more so the team. It's more so the quarterback. I think it's Brock Purdy. I would agree. I think Brock Purdy. I think Brock Purdy is the most underrated quarterback out of all the four remaining. Shut up, game winning drive. I just, I don't know. Like, it's like what more? You know, I, I watch more and more of like the analysis on him. I watch him play. Like, I watch some of the old games from even when he first was the starting quarterback for the team, and he just does his job. He goes in, he does his job, and he goes home. <laughs> that's my, that's my win or lose. That's my <laughs> issue with the NFL, right? It's like they pick and choose what they want to give a quarterback and how they want to critique him because if this was Mac Jones doing what he was supposed to do everybody would be looking at Mac Jones like oh he's the next greatest thing since life free but Brock Purdy doing what he's supposed to do oh it's the weapons around him is this I'm like why do y'all want to take people away from other people just to say oh the quarterback's not good and I might just say this just because you have those weapons around you doesn't mean you doesn't, know how to utilize no, them exactly because like, they had Jimmy Garoppolo <laughs> you had Trey Lance who can't even get you a win with them same weapons so it's like what are we talking about here you have to un like especially kyle shanahan's offense and i mean jeff correct me if i'm wrong but you have to be able to process things like quick quickly quick because yeah. the, the, the way brock purdy get the ball out of his hands is like just like that like it's, it's, it's seen, it seems like everybody's open every time he throw the ball but it's like a quarterback still has to be able to get the ball to the player i agree um i'm gonna be honest there's a, i think every team has a good story lamar obviously like country said earlier they want him to switch his position. Mm -hmm. Patrick Mahomes, lack of weapons. A lot of people didn't think they would, you know, make it to the AFC Championship game this year. Or, yeah, make it to the AFC Championship game this year. Detroit hasn't won a playoff game since 91. It's not even that Detroit haven't won a playoff game. It's what they had. A lot, they count them out for week one. They said, oh, this team's too young. Oh, this team got Jared Goff. They can't make it. Right. Look at them now. And then, obviously, what um, Ahmad said with the 49ers, Brock Purdy wasn't supposed to be here. He was mystery relevant. Mystery like, relevant. He wasn't supposed to be here. So, just him getting, just him, you know, being in the MVP conversation throughout the uh, year before that uh, Ravens game and then making it to the NFC Championship game, yeah, he wasn't supposed to be here. I agree. So, with that being said, what are y'all picks? Who, who, who are we going to see in the Super Bowl? 49ers and Ravens. Rematch a Super Bowl and what, what Super Bowl was that? 2012. Mm -hmm. I like to see that again. But at the same time, I do want to see the Cinderella story of Detroit. I want to see them win because it's like yo, yo, like bro, y'all not won anything in years. Facts. So it's like it'll be nice. The basketball team is garbage, so the football team being good will probably help the city out a little bit. You mm. Plus, Michigan just got a national, national championship. championship too. Yeah. I think about. I think they're gonna make the script come true. I think we're gonna see a 49er. Uh, Ravens rematch. The only reason I say that is because I just don't see the Lions being San Francisco. I don't. Shoot, the Packers almost beat them. And that's another team, like, we're not going to get into it, but that's another team that really should be in the championship. Yeah. We know we get into it. Like, nah, we get into it because Jordan Love, it. Man played great. First half. Yeah, he first played half. great. 
Jesus. Like second half was a different story. And th- then it was just like kickers be selling. Yeah, man, it's bad. It's real bad. But again, we ain't gonna get too much into it. Turn what's your picks? Who you gonna have in the championship? I'm gonna go Kansas City and Detroit in the Super Bowl. Yeah, in the Super Bowl. Jeez. A rematch of week. You got them beating like you realistically have them beating the Ravens though. Mm-hmm. How? I think it'll be a close game. But like how? Like what's their? They don't have the linebacker like for Kansas City that can spy on Lamar. I just think, like I said, we haven't seen Lamar, so it's just just going based off going off of. We did see him though. We we've seen him. We have seen Lamar throughout the regular season. We've seen him last week against the Texans. But I think having that experience on the um the Chiefs offense with Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, and then having that that defense that rises to the occasion in the playoffs with Spags uh, calling plays. You know they got to go to Baltimore, right? Absolutely. And Baltimore is nuts. <laughs> like okay, like the, the Bills was the, nuts. The Bills is nuts, but, but like Baltimore is different. Baltimore, they get down, bro. Baltimore is different. If, if it was in Kansas City, I'm definitely going with the Chiefs. Yeah, for sure. The fact that it's okay, in, the yeah. fact is isn't Baltimore. It gives Lamar upper hand because Lamar does not lose at home. He doesn't. Well, did he lose against Tennessee? That home oh, game. Oh yeah, that was. Uh, that was probably the only time he's lost in the playoffs at home was Tennessee. Was that? Time. I think that was his only yeah, home playoff. That's a, game. Yeah, it's only home playoff and his yeah. loss. Yeah. But Me he, personally. You got to get back, though. I'm nervous. Detroit's nice. I'm nervous. They're up there with the Packers. I'm still taking the Niners. I trust my team. We're going to get back defensively. And then I'm going to take the Ravens. I love the Ravens. I love Lamar. I need my get back. So, yeah, I'm taking those, too. Okay. Good picks, man. Hey, uh, make sure you write those picks down, Jeff. Oh, I got it. Uh, I think I'm still... Wait, everybody's similar, but trim so it's easy yeah i think i i think i'm still leading everybody eight two uh my bucks let me down and of course Country, where josh, you at? josh allen let me uh, down i think i'm at the bottom i think i think every pick that i picked last week did not come <laughs> no you got one with the niners oh that was the only one Bro, yeah. I, yeah i really had i had the who did i picked the niners I picked, yeah okay yeah I, I was smart i didn't want to bet against uh brock purdy for Bro, real i picked the i picked the tigs to beat the ravens i, I did the too though it was to beat the uh I did too. Chiefs, and I picked the Bucks to beat the. Uh, yeah, I didn't go that way. They could, they could have. But I wish, the, I wish the Bucks would have won because we would have, we would have blown the doors off the Bucks. I don't think so. Yes, it's hard to, it's hard to blow out a team twice, bro. Yes, we would respectfully. The Lions didn't blow us out. It's the Lions. Oh, but you, but you, but yeah, you, here you go. Here we go. It's he's the like, Lions. He's like, he's like, it's the Lions. But I'm so nervous. I'm so nervous. <laughs> but I, am, I am though, slick. All right, bro. They Any, look good. Anyway, right. bro. Hey, fellas, man, we going we're going to see what, what comes to fruition on championship weekend. Picks locked in. Jeff keeping score. I'm currently leading everybody 8-2 right now. I just want to put that out there. But we're going to transition to NBA. Uh, guys, so I'm going to just put it simply. Let's just make it simple. Who is our winners and losers so far in the season right now? Can we talk about who was the loser yesterday? Yeah. Boy, that boy Wimby. Lord. <laughs> <laughs> he put up 33 points. Bro, can I just say? Versus 70. Can I just say? 70 and 18. Can I just say that's the most casual 70 points I've ever seen. He did it so effortlessly, bro. Like, bro. It's like did he even drop a sweat? Bro, it didn't look like it. But you remember what you remember what a lot of people kept saying about Wimby in the beginning of the season? Mm-hmm. He's too small. Yeah, he's definitely and, small. And B just bodied him the First whole First possession game. came out there. It's, it looked like Wimby couldn't even after Embiid put his body on him, Wimby could not even jump. Like you seven fool. 
Like, but it's, it's, I don't know, man. 70, like, for a center to drop. That's the other conversation that we had to have. Is Embiid actually the best scoring center of all time? I don't just, know. Because he, 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 he gets to a line at least like 12 times a game. Just so look yeah, at his know. bag. Yeah. Just look at his bag. Yeah. I understand I mean, that. He's coming up, pulling up. He has three-point shooting. Yes. He has a mid-game. He has a post-game. post-game. He has a major drop step. He's not missing anything in his game. He's mm-hmm. He has everything. So, like, yeah. what Like what can you say, like, okay, we got to let Embiid do that go left he's he, he'll at, happily go left oh go right he gonna do a step back like what what you want from him he's a big man kd and he can drip it's just like dang like they're so good but they're not good enough and like played, really let that sink in listen and B played so good that people didn't even realize cat had 62 last night and a loss though and a, yeah, but and a still and he only had four points in the fourth quarter. Oh. Yeah. So Cat really wasn't, <laughs> oh. like, he was hooping. But just quarters. the only man I know that could discredit a 60-piece. <laughs> I mean, he have, and he got benched on top of that. Yeah, he got benched. Against the Hornets. He got benched because he scored too many points, or he got benched because he was playing bad? He wasn't playing defense. Yeah, he wasn't producing. Uh-uh. Man, nah, he dropped 60. He dropped 60. Man, I'll gladly take that yeah. rest. But, guys, I mean, what you think, Jeff? As far as winners and losers, the biggest loser on the East Coast, I would honestly say, is the Brooklyn Nets. Mm. Simply, to, simply the fact that they're 11th in conference right now, and they don't, they don't own any of their picks. They own no picks. They cannot be buyers. They cannot be sellers. They just have to compete to try to make sure that hey, we could get people in free agency and show that we're a winning program. That's bad. That's my, that's my loser on the East. On the West, I would honestly say is the Warriors, but that's kind of obvious. Mm-hmm. They, they so, aging out. They age caught up to them. Mm-hmm. Another loser I say is the Grizzlies. All the injuries, banging out six to eight weeks ankle, John Moran out for the season. Kind of sucks, but at the end, I think that's a good thing for them because they have a top 10 pick potentially and they can add youth to their team. But who in the draft would you feel as though is like will help them win right away? As far as the need, I would say, I mean, honestly, a backup point guard, they don't have a real good backup point guard. But you would take, take a backup point guard for your first pick? I think they would take a three. I think they need a wing. Or a wing, yeah. But then again, there's a lot of wings that are from international players places and those are kind of reaches because some don't pan out yeah so mm-hmm. well my biggest winner is you know my team okc it's still i was a, literally about to say them in the timberwolves yeah it's still it's still a surprise to me that we are even as good as we are i i, I said we was gonna be a playing team this year why is it a surprise you were a playing team last year. year so why is it a surprise we, everybody knew y'all was gonna be we good was, yeah we was, the, we was the last playing team so I, i'm you thinking still got in there i'm thinking we was gonna be anywhere from like six to like nine range but for us to be number two is is very surprising to me and chat yes rookie of the year chat is nice he got to show something he played he played victor this week i'll say this for the eastern conference my winners are definitely the celtics my losers for the eastern conference bro like uh, i want to say the nets but honestly i'm gonna say the hawks yeah that, the hawks was my second option yeah. because again everyone says they're great team but Records show I, otherwise. I don't see. It always does. I don't see how people. I think like, people are still off the off the off the drug of what they did. This is like they, like they're not a good team. Like if you watch them play, they don't do anything special. They have Trey Young, but can we say Trey Young is a superstar? They won or an all star. They want him to be a he's, he's on the verge of being a superstar, but he's an all-star. He, like, yeah. He, he came the reason why Trey Young can't be a superstar is because he's shown that he cannot carry a team. 
I was about to say that. He can't. He can't. Superstars are somebody that you know is a bona fide dog. You're, like you're if, gonna be a locked in top if he if if he's if he's on like if you if you on a team you playing against another team he's the best person on that on on the floor regardless. Yeah. And night in night out, Trey Young don't look like he's the best player on the team. Now Dejounte Murray sometimes look like he's like the better. He player. needs to leave Atlanta. Yeah, for sure. He needs to leave Atlanta. He's on the trade I, block. I, I, I believe his best destination is LA. LA? Really? Yes. Bro, just just imagine. I say take him back to the Spurs to he, develop he, he Wimby. Will, he won't want to go back there. Hmm? He said he would want to go. He said in the press conference he would want to go back there. Dang, I don't know about that one. You telling me he want to go to a team that's technically if the if the playoffs start tomorrow, that's technically in the play-in to a team that's not even that's don't, fighting for last right do now. They even have a ten, <laughs> do they even have ten wins on the season? No, no, eight and thirty-five. And that that is what's so sad because it's like it's no reason why they should be eight and thirty-five. I mean, there's a reason they've had. Sohan at the at the one for a minute. There's yeah. a reason. I can run the point better than <laughs> and, Sohan. And then, and then, <laughs> There's a reason. And then also too, it's like he does not want to pass the ball to Wimby. Like also how, true. How's your own teammate hating on you? Like that don't even make sense. Also true. And I think uh, I think my for the Western Conference, I think my my winners. Like I I think you said it. You took it out of my mouth. I said the Thunder mm-hmm. because this was a team that was tenth place last year, and now they're second place. Shea is literally a walking bucket. Like they bro, their team just flows so well. It, it, on all so still- so look, it's like this, right? We have a team that is not supposed to flow, but it, but it does. does. Like, you know like we know, we know Shea's gonna give you buckets regardless. Then it's like everybody else has their game. Where you could get Casey Wallace off the bench to give you a good fifteen. You get Luke Dort, who one game go for five points, and the next game go for twenty six. Then you got you got uh J Dub. Uh, yeah. I like J Dub. J Dub nice. actually is really a. I I feel as though if he was on another team. He, w- he can actually be an all-star caliber player. Mm-hmm. But the fact that he's on OKC and he has to be the fourth option, he's the still... Fourth. The fourth? Yeah, he's two. He's two? He's a second I thought, option. I thought he was a three. No, no Chet's the third option. I'm sorry. You think so? Yes. I, 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 I'll, I'll go like... I'll go so. Shay. I'll go Shay, Chet, and then uh, no, J-Dub. J-Dub is the second option because he can do a lot. So the reason why I say J-Dub is the fourth is because Lou Dort does get a lot of... A, a lot of... A boatload of the shots. You got Lou Dort he's over a, J-Dub? He's a shooter he's a friendly player that's it yeah that's what i'm saying it's and three. that's and that's not that's not a prominent top three scorer in the league i'm sorry okay okay i get that i get that. <laughs> i'm sorry but no, not... I, I was i was looking on a standpoint as far as like he gets a bulk load of the shots because he does he is a three and d uh he is a three and yeah. d wing yeah so that's that's why i was that's that's the points that i was getting at though right i think i'll say my losers for the west and y'all might not agree but i say the not the worst but i say the lakers because yeah yeah it's like when is it gonna shake man what is that it's, this is the same position they was in last year and the year before. I mean, they showed that they can get out of it. They but, can, but, but, but the then it's is, like last year LeBron wasn't playing that many games. And now he is. Now he is. And they're still fighting that 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 ninth. They're in that ninth, tenth, five hundred, twenty-two and twenty-two. I mean, that's bad, but. It's bad, but it's not terrible, but it is because... I got a question. Do y'all think the Warriors should just uh, blow everything up? Mm. As far as even trading away Steph Curry? Sure, yeah. I don't know about trading away yeah, Steph Curry. I don't know. I think but he everybody gonna stay else, yes. I think he's going to stay there. So you, you feel as though you should build around a 34-year-old Steph Curry? Well, not build around, but just have him there because yeah. the legacy he's made. Okay, but that team is done. No, we understand it's done. Because the shoot, I understand Steph Curry with the shooting. They was like one of the greatest teams of all time. But it's like they can't defend like they used to. But they, what are you going to get? What are you going to get? Because honestly, 
Clay trade value doesn't mean anything. Does not at all. Andrew Wiggins doesn't mean anything. Draymond for sure doesn't mean anything. <laughs> what else you gonna Draymond. get? I think they stuck with Draymond. Yeah. Kaminga, probably not. Kaminga. Moses Moody. So if we, if we talk about a disappointed player, it's definitely Kaminga. Because I don't believe he's de developed correctly. Do you blame on Coach Kerr? I do. I don't think Steve Kerr is a good coach. I've always said that. That's not true. I, I don't. Mm, you can't tell me differently, bro. How is he not a good coach, bro? Are you talking about like up to more recently, or are you talking about holistically? What makes him a good coach? Okay, okay. So like, even just from the simplest of facts that he's a four-time champion mm -hmm. as a coach, that says a lot. Because who else is gonna coach? Uh, I believe. I believe they had an interim head coach that came in and did the same thing Steve Kerr did, like nothing even happened. Yeah, and but they still had one of the best records in the NBA while losing their coach. But that's I believe like, they started 28 and 0. But that's because of the system that was implemented by Kirk. The players just followed the system. Yeah, when the you got style. when you guys when you got Steph Curry, Claymont Green, I said Claymont, Draymond Green and uh Clay Thompson checking up shots and making them. Bro, anybody anybody can coach that. Uh, I can't say that because not anybody you can't can you can't that. you can't you can't use that argument because we've seen a team like the Phoenix Suns who are also kind of like they're kind of a disappointment and they have a great big three. Doc, but, but, but Doc Rivers, no, I'm talking Doc about in like in, in years if, past, if, like if last we, year. If we being honest, if we being honest, that is Mark Jackson's team uh -huh. that Steve Kerr is coaching because Mark Jackson developed them to be what they are today, and I feel as though they did Mark Jackson a, a major disservice by him taking them to the playoffs for the past three seasons, got them to the high seat that they ever been in six, took the uh, took the cl uh, the Clippers all the way to seven games and lost, and they fired Mark Jackson and hit in comes Steve Kerr, sixty wins here. 60 wins there, 60, 72 wins. And we just anoint him the greatest coach. Like, no, nah, no one's saying that he's not, that, that he's the greatest coach. I'm simply saying he's a good coach. Why couldn't he is a competent coach? Why couldn't Mark Jackson win 60 games? Because at the time, them players wasn't even up to up to the level yet. They it was, was even it was a, it was a one year difference. The next it, year they get Steve Kerr. Because, because that, that was the first time that they had their home tie core actually together. The years before that, Steph Curry was always injured. They didn't have Andrew Bogut at the time. 2013, Steph Curry was healthy. Steve Kerr brought in a system that elevated Draymond Green's game. Steve Kerr was the one that made Draymond the point forward that made him, you know, the pick and roll ball handle with Steph Curry, put Steph Curry off the ball a little bit more. And that took his game to another mm, level. No, Mark Jackson, they was already doing that with Mark Jackson. They wasn't doing it good enough. <laughs> He's not doing good enough. I don't know, man. Look, I, all I'm saying is he is a good coach. We we can't we can't just say that he's not a good coach. There's a lot of guys in this league that are not good coaches. Steve Kerr is not one of them. So what's guys. going on right now? They're just not good. Their their team is falling apart. Like uh -huh. we're literally seeing the downfall There's of no a dynasty. Chemistry. No chemistry. They don't even believe they, in like the culture is just bad there. Isn't that isn't that a part of coaching? Absolutely, absolutely. But I'm just saying hmm. though, the culture is just not there right now. Like Coaches it used can have to be. down years too. Hmm. Back to back down years. I mean, if you want to use that argument, we could say the same about Greg Popovich or the head coach for the Trailblazers or even the head coach for the Grizzlies. Like having bad seasons right now, but that doesn't mean those coaches aren't good coaches. Greg Popovich is one of the greatest coaches of all time. So I think I'm not saying Steve Kerr is the greatest, but I'm I'm saying he's a good coach. So it the, that's the thing that I that I be thinking about basketball, right? I I don't believe is I don't believe it's really good coaches in basketball. I just b believe that the players make a coach way better than what they look like. Whoa! I don't so believe that. Mike because, Malone isn't good. Um, because Eric Spo. Yeah. Eric Spo is a dog. Oh man! Ty Lue. No. <laughs> what? what? No, no. Stop. Stop. Stop no. it, bro. Stop. 
Come on, bro. What? No. Spolstra is probably the best example. Ty Lue is like not a good example. He's not a good example. What do you mean he's not a good example? I mean, he is a good example. Oh, I was about to say, he took, he took a, a 2016 Cavs team. First, is that Was that not his first or second year? First huh. year. First year. Excuse me. Excuse yeah, Ty Lue. Who, who was Eric on that Spolstra. team? Okay. LeBron James. LeBron, Kyrie, okay. Kevin Love. Okay. But again, you have to, that, that's, that helps my argument even more because you have to be that much good, better of a coach to coach players like LeBron or they, Kyrie. They was 31 and 10 when they fired David Blatt. Bro, but you can't, you, you can go, you can fall off hard in the NBA. We, we're literally seeing it right Bro, now. Bro, they fired him because he lost to the Warriors because LeBron didn't want him there. Uh, and LeBron wanted Ty Lue? He wanted Ty Lue. Thank you. So again, so you, have, a good coach. you have to, you have to be a certain caliber of a coach to be able to coach a superstar like LeBron. Because so, if I'm, if I'm trying to, if I'm a first year head coach, right, this is my first head coaching gig and I got to coach arguably one of the greatest players of all time, I'm going to be shaking in my boots a little bit because then it's like all right you have to not only earn his respect as a player and a player coach relationship but again Tyloo used to play against lebron so lebron been dogging him since they were player and then he has to come back and coach him like it takes it takes a special caliber of player especially with Tyloo and a lot of other coaches bro like question what do y'all think about adrian griffin getting fired speaking about first time coaching that's coaching i think i think Giannis. i think i think it's a shocker but the bucks have always been a strict franchise even when when it comes to their head coaching or their players that they release or the players they sign in free agency like they've always been that strict but I because see, remember when they released mike budenhoser yeah like that was crazy but they but it was a reason why they released mike budenhoser they they couldn't get over the hump they yeah but title they, they just oh, they, won, they title. just won okay, a title, okay, okay. Yeah. and then that, that following season they fell a little bit short, short and, and then they, they fired, fired him. him but this is my thing with I, I this fire i don't want this, this fire i don't understand they, they say they didn't believe it believe him they hinted it plenty of times in press conferences like Giannis but hinted it, it chris middleton I don't, I don't believe Dame did, but at least those who have hinted, like, yeah, hey, I and think I think he's the I, one. I think that's what it, I think that's what it ultimately came down to. Giannis, the star player, the franchise player, didn't believe in his head coach, so that kind of pushed the franchise to kind of make a great decision but early on in the season. Now it's just unfortunate that it comes now, but the team is thirty and thirteen, so which is why it's a little bit of a head scratcher to people so that might not weird. know. So, so does that make my point when I say I don't really feel as though it's that many good coaches? Then 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 it's just good players. It, it it does, but it doesn't because me and you were talking about Steve Kerr being a good coach. I said Steve Kerr was a good coach. I didn't say he was like the greatest coach of all time or one. I'm not even putting him top five. I'm just saying he's a good, competent coach. Okay. Now, it does help your argument in the sense that, yes, there are star players. And like I said, it takes a certain caliber of a of a person to be able to coach a, a NBA champion, a, a person that has been the franchise player of a former organization being Damian Lillard for years and then the rest of the team so it takes a certain caliber of player and it just seems like he is just not that, that caliber that of a fire, person that fire just does not make sense but what's crazy all. is Giannis vouched for him in the offseason yeah yeah he's the guy this that and the third and then a couple games things in, change. he's that like just, I don't think so that just goes to show how fast things can change in the in the world of sports in any in any league in in any situation like things can change but again I mean it's a little bit of a head scratcher because I'm curious to see who's going to be the interim coach or if they're just going to hire like right away 
like it's probably gonna be in-house nine times out of ten uh the report's coming out that doc rivers looks yeah like that's that's what chris that's chris what haynes reported it and if it comes from chris haynes it's probably said from damian lillard so i would you know i would trust that source a little bit but as far as the far as far as the firing goes it's still a head scratch. i think i think what well, the milwaukee bucks were one of the worst defensive teams in the nba i think they were, they were like bottom eight i believe in defensive rating yeah they can't play defense i mean but we we've been on that since their championship team and, and another thing is when it comes to damian lillard and Giannis antetokounmpo they don't their dynamic it, they didn't have a seeming a seeming a seamlessly fit a seeming you know what I'm they didn't gel yeah they didn't gel right but <laughs> i think i think that comes from the coaching because when you have damian lillard one of the best pick and roll ball handlers and you have Giannis antetokounmpo one of the best players around the rim i think you have to explore that dynamic a little bit more because you had um who was running the point last year uh drew holiday drew, drew, holiday. drew holiday running the point last year running pick and rolls with Giannis, and Giannis was getting buckets at the rim but when you had a guy like damon when you add a guy like damon to that offense i think you can expand that a little bit more and make your offense a little bit scary well make it even more scarier than you did last year so if you if you explore that a little bit more maybe you know he would have still been here but they didn't run in, they didn't run enough pick and rolls for the two which i think about terry scary going to the heat though that's a, yeah i was just i was just about a, to segue yeah. into that so for those of you who don't know listening in terry rogier has been traded to the miami heat for kyle lowry and a 27 2027 excuse me first round pick what do y'all think about that i actually like the move because now they got that extra score that kyle lowry couldn't give them i like the move a lot well for the charlotte Hornets side i think kyle lowry would be bought out yeah he is and probably I, going to new york i seen that he can't go to he can't go to like four teams i believe i think it's the celtics it's a couple of the big teams that like are over the cap space so he can't go to them i think he can go to la new york you say yeah he can go to teams like that but la who Lakers. Uh, that would be a bad fit. That would be a bad fit. Horrible fit. I like the Knicks fit, though, as a backup PG. But Deuce McBride's been playing really good basketball. But as far as the Heat, I think adding Terry Rozier gives you... I don't know if, if he's going to start or is he coming off the bench. He's going to start. So they're going to start Rozier, Hero, Butler, Bam. Martin, I think he Martin, should, Caleb I think, Martin, yeah. Okay, I think Hero should start coming off the bench. I think I thought I might. He thing, used to. He used to start. Yeah, that, that's the bench. that was it. That that's when he played the best. The he could easily take the fourth spot easily just with this Terry Rozier trade. Easily, I think, I think they can come out the East. I mean, not come out. The, my bad. I'm tripping. Come out the East. I think they can make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. My bad. Okay. Mm, I, even that, I think that's a little bit. Even that, I think oh, I think they strange. can beat Philly. I think they, they match can. up well with Philly. I, I think, think I think. Well, if Philly makes another move, which they can, they might not be able to beat him, but they don't make a move oh yeah they're beating philly okay five and a half games back at three seats so i think that they'll they'll catch the fourth seed if possible if they stay healthy gel together so if the playoffs stay where it's at though they play philly first round i think they can beat philly and terry rosier fits heat culture absolutely terry rosier is heat culture I think it's a good trade for the Heat. Do I think they're going to make it out the East or make it to the Conference Finals? Nah, I don't think so. Hey, playoff Jimmy is a different person. That's what I'm saying. If they don't play Boston in the second round, I think they can make to the Eastern Conference Finals. I don't, I don't even like Boston. Because they can much. sneak up on the Bucks. honestly. They can easily sneak up on the Bucks. Yeah. Boston with the turnovers? Mm-mm. I'm excited. I miss playoff basketball, man. Yeah, definitely do. I, I, I don't think, I think this might be a surprise. I don't think they, I don't think the Lakers might make their playoffs. Man, they're not. Surprised. Yeah, I don't think they're are, but but I mean, you know I, LeBron's I still there. Good. LeBron's still there, so you never bet against LeBron. Yeah, I mean they was able to make a little playing, playing run, but we'll see. I think I think as is the Eastern Conference one through ten. I think these are going to be the teams in the mix. Now I don't know what order, but I think it's going to be those teams in the mix right there. So you think the, you think the Hawks going to take that last spot? Probably. Yeah, they had, yeah. probably. 
They're, like, like they're not. It, it either, either maybe. Okay, the only I team would, I could see I coming say the in Raptors, there. Raptors, but like the Raptors nah. just lost badly to the Grizzlies. Yeah, bro, no, no, they're not good. But we'll see because the only team I could see probably hopping in there is probably Brooklyn. Brooklyn? They're only a half a game. Yeah, like they only have. But they just haven't been looking the best. If Atlanta trades Dejounte, mm. yeah, if they that's that's if Atlanta trades doesn't I trade. Think, I think DeJounte they Murray. need to though for they them to actually to. start winning. They, they need to trade Dejounte. They're gonna trade him. everybody. What I've heard was everybody's on the table other than Jalen Johnson and Trey. And Trey, yeah, Jalen Johnson, Trey Young, everybody's on the table, and I don't see why they shouldn't be on the table. Let me ask y'all this: Would Dejounte Murray make sense in OKC? No, no. absolutely. Why? Man. No. It's, it's, it's the defense. Like, you trade him in. Nah, because he's... Because they're going to probably want Lou Dort and Josh Giddy. Yeah. And, and he, then it might just drop Josh Giddy, but... Yeah. I mean, and and, and, and uh, Murray plays... He's a little ball dominant for me. And Shea needs that ball. So where, so, where would you... So, where would be the best fit for DeJounte Murray? I say LA, but y'all say no. The Lakers? Yeah. I could see him in LA. He's a scorer. Need more what about story. what about Toronto? Nah, they just, they got too nah, guards. they got too many guards too deep. Nah, it's hard to tell. Like it's hard to tell. Like but the Suns, LA makes sense. The Suns don't got enough. Phoenix makes sense. A ideal spot for me for Dejounte is not gonna happen because of the cap situation, and I don't think they have the assets. But Miami, I like that fit. Ooh, it's not possible, but Miami. I thought you was gonna say Orlando for a second. Nah, I'm just saying. I can't. That's not. That's unrealistic. I was just, I just thought that's what he was going to say. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I'm really say that. Say that. Say that. You know him and Paolo be fighting in practice every day. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. I was he got traded from Atlanta. He just been mad. I'd be mad too. Did all that talking. They have a losing record. Guys, that's gonna wrap up the end of this show, man. Appreciate y'all. Y'all the guys in the studio. Appreciate y'all listening in. We're gonna get into my favorite part of the show, which is shout outs. First and foremost, I wanna shout out the guys in the studio. Y'all are great. I love, I love talking sports with y'all every week. Uh even in our group chat, group chat be going crazy every day uh shout out to jeff uh i call him adrian wardronowski jr he always sending the the news and everything like that keeping me up to date and everything shout out the country my boy my boy we we, we not gonna see eye to eye on a lot of things but my boy he he be giving me a different perspective and i respect that uh and trim the trim man miami they suck orlando we don't suck you know what i'm saying you know my orlando guy but i want to shout out god first and foremost thank you god for everything you're doing in my life thank you for blessing the guys in the studio with me you know i'm coming down to my last couple months man uh, i take i take every show uh with a grain of salt never want to take it for for granted and you know shout out to my mom love your mama if you're listening out there and we're gonna throw it up to trim first and foremost i'm gonna thank my lord and savior without him obviously i wouldn't be able to do what i do do what i love so all thanks go to him second i want to thank my parents you know for motivating me and believing in me last but not least i want to thank the guys in the studio you know for pushing me to become greater things in life i just want to thank everybody that gave me this opportunity i want to thank god for even giving me this blessing to even be here and i just want to thank the guys in the studio you know every day we always had something to talk about the guy to my right jeff oh you know the little 49ers guy then you got a guy to my left yes, my good man trim the the biggest Pat Mahomes fan and I'm all you know the most respectable Bucks fan so you know you gotta show <laughs> love to everybody from the 813 to the fat 
five to the eight five oh to the three oh five back to the two two five year so you said four oh my bad four seven and four oh four four oh four you know got a one and three oh one two oh two everybody everywhere that's listening and showing love we just want to continue to thank y'all and just stay blessed you heard shout out god my lord and savior jesus christ um shout out to the family back home shout out to the guys in the studio constantly getting on me every time i get in the group chat but you know big dub brock purdy and anyways and shout out to my friends back at home just tuning in just tapping in appreciate y'all let me ask y'all this fans jeff does not say anything in the chat when the 49ers lose Ahmad, Ahmad, do i talk but as do I talk soon when the 49ers as the 49ers play Ahmad, answer this question do i talk when the 49ers play nah he's quiet when when they lose he's still i don't quiet. say nothing if they win he I starts say talking but but y'all provoke me to say something i don't say nothing just we don't provoke you to say anything it's just it's just that one time when they did i think what what game was that the earlier? eagles yes bro they lost badly to wait no 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 no, no they lost badly to somebody was, this the, year the, 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 uh, the uh, Ravens, the Ravens. Bro, they lost badly to somebody. We didn't hear from Jeff for a whole week. That man was ducking punishment, he didn't even come. Bro. He didn't even come to the show. That's one thing about Jeff. Jeff go duck that punishment, bro. I remember when I had to hear this man, Jeff, over the text message, sending voice memo when the Cowboys and 49ers were playing. I'm like, bro, shut up. Like, what are you, like, y'all winning. Because I was getting beat. If they're not handling business, I'm not going to say nothing. If they're handling business, I'm going to talk. Man, That's it. Jeff a funny guy, man. I hope for his sake. That the 49ers handle business. Yeah. Uh, but if not, but I nah, mean, he for our from sake, us. from our sake, I hope the 49ers lose. But y'all can't say nothing anymore. Fair y'all can't. I gave hey. I gave Brock Purdy his props. Y'all can't say we nothing anymore. Definitely no gave Brock Purdy. I, his I props. gave him his props on the show today. Y'all all heard it. Anytime there's Brock Purdy slander, just just make sure Amar gave him his credit. You know what I'm saying? Hey, I, I gave him his credit too. Uh, some other people saying that Mac Jones is better than Brock Purdy. Um, Whoa, we ain't no, gonna say no that's, names. That's, that's interesting. Crazy. We could be here all day, but guys, it's gonna be the end of the episode. Appreciate y'all for tuning in, listening in to our sports takes. This was recorded at Florida AM University in the studio of WAM 90.5. Again, this is your host, Mr. 813 Amaya Kibi, and we'll see y'all next week. Peace.